Please be seated. So last week on Monday, um, I, uh, which if you remember was Labor Day, I went with my kids, I took my kids and some of their friends um, to the Science Museum, specifically to the Sports Center at the Science Museum, um, uh, to go on the ropes course. Has anyone been there? A few of you. You should go. <laughs> Um, and uh, so the sports center has, um, it has a ropes course, it has a climbing wall, a bunch of sort of other kinetic, kinetic activities. And because it was Labor Day, because it was Labor Day morning, um, there was like no one there, and which was great because usually there's long lines and people can only go on the, the course for a, for a few minutes. And so um, my kids and their friends, they suited up, they put on their, um, they put on the harnesses and then the harnesses connected up and clipped onto um, so, uh, rails and you go up onto this ropes course that has, um, has zip lines and ropes to walk across and, and all the rest. And so they're, they're going on and going up and then the guy who works there turns to me as I'm standing there just you know, waiting as a parent. He goes, you want to go too? So I went. Um, I, put on, I put on the harness and I um, was clipped onto the rail and the guy said, now this is really secure. There is nothing that can happen where you would fall. <laughs> and so, um, and so, my son had um, just gone up, and um, and uh, and so I followed. I followed him up the the ladder, um, and then at the top, he says to me, "Just go out on that one." And there's this board that sticks out about ten feet. You know, just you know, just out, nowhere, no handrails or anything. And I thought, it's just a board, I'll walk out on it. And so I, with, you know, 11-year-olds looking on, I walk out, I walk out into the board, and I'm having this sensation of, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, the board goes, bump and I froze. Now, by bump, it went three inches, but I just froze right there, and I looked back at the 11-year-olds there, and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I'll come back to the story in a few minutes. So here we find Jesus and his disciples in a foreign land. It's actually in Mark's gospel the first time they go into a foreign land, um, into the region of Tyre. And they're trying to get away, they're trying to escape from, from all the crowds, the people who are following him, who are seeking a miracle. And I imagine they went to Tyre thinking that if they just went to this place that no one knew them, they could get away from it all, they could have a break, maybe it would be kind of a retreat or a vacation. And so they enter this house where they think they won't be recognized, but that's not the case. They were seen, they were noticed, they were recognized. And a woman comes up to Jesus, a woman whose daughter was sick, ill, as the gospel tells us, with an unclean spirit. She's a Gentile woman, and we're told a Syrophoenician. Now, as we know, by laws and customs of the time, it would have been forbidden, even illicit, for the woman and Jesus to have contact with one another. First, because she was a Gentile and he was a Jew, 
And second, probably more important, because she was a woman. And that was completely improper for unrelated people to have contact. But the woman, she was desperate. Desperate as a parent can only be for their child who's sick. She would go to any lengths for the health of her little girl. So she's motivated beyond rejection, about beyond insult. She doesn't worry about social custom. And she appeals to this foreign itinerant preacher. She asks Jesus for mercy on her daughter. And so Jesus responds, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Our Lord and Savior, let me quote him again. Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. So he's calling the woman a dog, and he's not even going to feed it. The Lord of our life, that's what he said. So let's, let's take a minute and let's look at what Jesus said. Let's try to have some empathy, because maybe we'll understand why he's a jerk. So maybe, maybe Jesus feels his calling is to the people of Israel. Maybe he feels his calling is only to his own people. Somehow they need to get their house in order. There's a lot of people who need help. He's got to take care of them first before anyone else. Maybe he feels that somehow he has some special message that only, that only other, other Jews will know. Maybe he's got to keep it in. Maybe he just feels that he has enough problems and he really just wants to be on vacation right now, and so why is this woman bothering him? So why did he say it? Someone at the 6 p.m. service last night said, well, clearly Jesus just hadn't read the epistle we had this morning. (laughs) So the mother looks back at him and says, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Now there's a cultural, a cultural transition happening here, cultural interchange about dogs. See, for the Hebrew people at the time, um, dogs were not kept in homes. Dogs were seen like ravens or scavengers. They lived on the edge of human habitation. They sort of lived off refuse from human habitation. They were on the outside, not like we have dogs now. But for the Gentiles, for the Syrophoenicians, dogs, they lived in homes. They were companions. They often ate the same food that the family ate. Probably often, like in my house, the crumbs that come from the children. So this woman here is challenging Jesus and saying, in your community, maybe the dogs are the outsiders. But in my community, and when you're here, the dogs, they're part of the household. The dogs, they're part of our family. And in that moment, in that woman's quick thinking, Jesus changes his mind. 
Jesus changes his mind, not just about the healing of that girl, but actually about everything he does, about the inclusiveness, the expansiveness of God's love. That unnamed Syrophoenician woman is the agent of Jesus' conversion. She leads him to change, to be transformed. She leads him, Jesus, to grow. We might even say that Jesus' own heart, mind, and soul were opened up by that encounter. And in fact, the entirety of Jesus' ministry after that is shaped by what happens right then. That God's healing power and vision is reaching out to the entire world, especially those who are least lost, left out, those who are marginalized or on the edge of society. The vision that all of the members of the world are members of God's household. Jesus' ministry... You know, it's not just about this guy who knows a lot who's teaching others. It's not just about him taking his special super skills and serving and helping and healing. But Jesus' ministry is actually about Jesus' own transformation, his own development, his own growth, his own conversion. You know, I think it's easy to think that Jesus, he's God's son. He knows it all. He has it all together. But he's fully human. What human do you know comes out of the womb already knowing everything they need to know throughout their life? Who doesn't need to grow? Jesus, Jesus grows. You know, I've come to believe that the life of our faith, it's not about subscribing to some set of beliefs or not. It's not about having some abstract faith or not, or doing the right thing, or completing the correct type of spiritual tasks, or even singing the right music. But instead, it's about growth. It's about your growth. It's about my growth. It's about our conversion. It's about growing in perspective and outlook and understanding. All of that so that we can grow in our capacity to love, to love as God has loved us. The truth I've learned about the spiritual life is whenever I think that I have figured it out, God is bigger than that. God is not done with me yet. That I am a work in progress. So when I was standing out there on that beam where nothing could happen to me at the science museum you know it was an 11 year old who said come on you can do that who in that moment 
pushed me, challenged me to grow, to think about what I could do in terms of my balance and my skill, challenged me out of my comfort zone to try a new thing and to realize that maybe, maybe I'm at 41 not that old. I was not done yet. Still more growing to do. This weekend we begin our program year at St. Paul's. Everything starts up again. Our education, our choir, our music, our social gatherings, youth groups, prayer groups, kids' programs, all of the stuff. But all of this, all of this activity is about your growth and my growth. How we continue to grow in understanding, in perspective, and the capacity to love as God has loved us. So how is God calling you today? Right now in your life, how is God calling you and inviting you to grow, to be part of this amazing spiritual journey of life, of growing and understanding and the capacity to love. Amen.